This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. We have a power-packed service today. We're going to have some great praise and worship, some tithes and offerings, and a sermon that I know is going to speak to you and touch your life. So thank you for tuning in and joining. Pay attention. Get the kids in the room. Stand up for praise and worship. Be involved just like you would be if you were here in the building with us. And listen, today is your day. It's going to be a great day. Let's get into some praise and worship right now. Dance like the 
still in your hands. This is my confidence. Never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. Still in your hands. This is my confidence. Never fail me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, I believe, I'll see you do it again, you made a way, where there was no way, and I believe, I'll see you do it again, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe, I'll see you do it again. still stands and great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you never fail me and I never will forget you never fail me and I never will forget You never failed me Alright everybody, we're going to go ahead and get into the Word of God today. And I ask you to, man, grab your Bible and stuff. And like I said earlier, participate and be involved so God can really speak to you today. Amen. Uh, what we're going to be talking about is kind of a tag on to last week's sermon. Last week we talked about the presence of God. And what we were discussing is that we are all reading these verses. Uh, I know that I read these verses on a a regular basis, even if there's not a worldwide epidemic going on. But I like the verses about God being a refuge and a fortress and a shelter. Those have just always strengthened me and brought me comfort. Um, and last week we saw how literally in Psalm 31 verse 20, it says, You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. And again repeats, you shelter them in your presence. Far from accusing tongues. And so that verse is telling us that the shelter we all dream of and talk about, the fortress, is God's presence. That's how you get into the fort. That's how you get in to the refuge is simply by getting into his presence. And we discussed some ways that you can do that. Uh, now, this week, though, you know, as I've been thinking about this and meditating on it all week long, uh, I've thought about, you know, as we get into the shelter, into the, the fort, so to speak, uh, there's some things that you can't take in there with you. I remember growing up as a kid, you know, we would build a, a clubhouse, a fort, you know, maybe you did that in your living room or whatever, or out in your yard, you would build a fort with your buddies or with your siblings. And there were some things you didn't want in there. I know in my house, we were mainly, uh, there's three boys and, and one girl, uh, most of the time growing up. So, Hey, she tried to bring a doll in that clubhouse smack. Can't bring that in there. Come on. And so there was other things that you may try to bring into the fort. They weren't allowed. We weren't having that. And as silly as it sounds, there are some things that we try to bring into God's presence. And, and, and what do I mean by that? I mean, we all want the blessing. We all want the joy and the peace and the comfort of being in his presence. But sometimes we want to bring some extra junk in there with us. And he's like that. That I'm, that's not coming in. You can't bring that in here. And it's not a hateful thing. It's an opportunity for us to grow and to be better. So today we're going to look at three things that you can't bring into the fort, that you can't bring in to the shelter. So I want to open us up in prayer and then get right into this because I'm trying to cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. So 
Hold on and stick with me. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that as we open the word of God today, you will speak to us. Lord, you'll you'll change our lives, God. You'll give us the wake-up call that we need. Lord, I pray that you'll tell us exactly what we need to hear so we can be the Christians. We can be the people that you've called us to be. We love you, and we thank you today. This is the day you've made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, three things. Now, some of these may sound silly, but I promise you, there's nothing silly about this. This is, a, this is for real. The first thing I'm going to say that you can't bring into the shelter is your haterade. You're like, what? Haterade? I'm talking about unforgiveness, bitterness, hate, anger. Listen, that stuff, you got, you got to take the lid off of that and dump the haterade out at the door because that's not coming in. And again, it sounds silly, but there's nothing silly about bitterness and resentment and anger and, 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 and anxiety and stress and these things that try to build up inside of you, that is not coming into the presence of God. And well, why would I say that? First John chapter four, verse seven and eight. We're going to flip over there. First John four, seven and eight. This is a two verses that my dad taught me as a young child. I, I stuck with me my whole life. First John four, Verses 7 and 8, and John talks about love a lot. This is uh, something that he was well uh, versed on. First John 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. Now, that's I mean, that's a heavy hitter right there. Verse eight, anyone who does not love doesn't even know God. Why? For God is love. Now, I mean, that's 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 hardcore. He doesn't just say, man, guys, we need to get along. You really ought to love each other. He says, listen, if we don't love, we don't even know God because God at his essence, at the core of who he is, God is love. And so there's no way that in his presence in his in his glorious presence that we're going to be bringing hate and bitterness and 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 resentment i mean i tell people all the time revenge is not a word that christians have in their vocabulary i you know I, i'm not going to sit there and, and you know keep getting walked all and all the time but i'm not going to lay awake at night trying to think of ways i can get back at you and then expect to just go the next morning and raise my hands and and be in the presence of god James put it an even stricter way, and he talked about how dangerous our tongues can be, how sometimes they're praising God and singing worship songs, and then the next minute you turn around and curse somebody that was made in the image of God. And then you expect for the, the peace of the Lord to be just flowing all over you and, and for you to be basking in his glory. That's not happening, man. Listen, you have got to get a handle on this. And I mean, I do. We do. We all do. This is something that we've all got to get a hold of because it's not allowed in. I was thinking about uh, this one time our whole family went to see a movie at Christmas time. At the time, Katie was pregnant with Joel. So it would have been, I guess, uh, Christmas of 2008 or something like that. But, uh, you know, hey, we went into the theater and we had all stopped and, you know, brought some snacks with us. You know, uh, maybe we shouldn't have, but I didn't feel like getting a second mortgage on my house just so I could afford a candy bar at the movie theater. So anyway, that's part of our, our testimony, though. Forgiveness. Uh, but but we're in there and, and Katie's reaching in to get some Sour Patch Kids out of the jacket and the usher catches her. And I was like, they still, you know, these guys still, they still have ushers at the movie theater. The guy busted her and made her get rid of the Sour Patch Kids. And I'm telling you, man, that, was, that wasn't cool. Did he take candy from a pregnant woman? That's, that's, I mean, you got some guts to do that. But he took the Sour Patch Kids. He's like, you, you can't, you can't sneak Sour Patch Kids candy in here. But I'm telling you, some of us have been trying to sneak our sour grapes into the presence of God and bring that bitterness in. And he's saying, man, it's not happening. You can't bring that in here. We're going to have to call the ushers and slap that out. You know, Robert, if you're watching, man, get ready. Slap that stuff out of their hands. But we can't bring that in. And so I want to really quickly here look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, starting at verse 4. This is the ingredients for the God kind of love. And a lot of us are familiar with this passage, but 
First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, the love chapter. And this is a description of the God kind of love. Because what I found out is everybody seems to have their own definition of what love is. I can ask a bunch of different people and get a bunch of different answers, but I don't care about a bunch of different people's different answers. I care about what God's definition of love is. So 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to look here at verses 4 through 8. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Wow. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Then going on in verse 8, I love how the King James says it, or the New King James, love never fails. It never fails. Now we're looking at the list right there, the ingredients, you could say, of the God kind of love. And notice with God's definition of love, there's no strings attached. That was just straight period at the end of each thing. It doesn't say love is patient and kind as long as you're doing what I want to do. Well, the strings attached, but I know most people's definition of love is I will love you forever and ever as long as you're treating me exactly how I want to be treated. I will be patient, I will be kind, I will never give up on you so long as you are lovely to me. And that's really not the definition of the God kind of love. It just says, love is patient and kind, period. Right there. Love is not irritable. Love does not keep a record of the wrongs that have been done against it. I mean, that's, that is not our human love, for sure. But that's the God kind of love. And that is what is allowed into the presence of God. Now, that's a work in progress for each of us. I get that. You know, I've been contacted by several parents this week that, hey, we've been stuck in a house with our kids for two weeks now, a lot of us. And, and I'm seeing people all over the Internet. And the struggle is real right now, folks. But listen, our kids count as people, too. They're people, too, whether we feel like it or not. And during the quarantine time or whatever, we got to treat them with the God kind of love, too. We, and I know we got to discipline and we got to be strict, but we got to watch our love walk, even with our kids. So go ahead, take the lid off, dump that haterade out, and move on into the presence of God. Because here's point number two, and this, I guess, isn't really a word, but we're going to make it a word right now. And it's lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is not allowed into the presence of God. And if you have any, uh, uh, I don't know, insight about you at all right now, you realize this is not a good time to be a lukewarm Christian. It's a good time to be a committed, dedicated, legit, stable Christian. And, you know, we've started this Wednesday night teaching series the last couple of weeks um, on the end times. And we're going to see a lot of stuff in the coming weeks on that. So tune in for that. Um, but you're going to see that's a serious time to be alive right now. And I believe that you're on this earth right now on purpose for this time. You were born for such a time as this. But it's a time to be serious. You know, seeing the grocery stores have bare shelves in the U.S. right now. I mean. Never thought I'd see something like that. People totally paralyzed with fear. Well, we definitely see that prophesied about in Luke 21. And, and it's just a sobering thing to witness, though, and to realize that i got to quit playing games. I've got to either get in or get out. But I, this is the time to be serious. And we just got to realize that, that that lukewarm, complacent, not really being committed to God thing that that's not how you get into God's presence. You get into his presence by being real with him and being committed to him. And, you know, I was thinking of this time, you know, we're talking about things that can't can't come in. Me and Jesse Garcia were at the St. Louis airport flying back from the Midwest there. And I had bought this big jar of apple butter. Now, most people I talk to out here don't really know what apple butter is. They, I don't know what you guys think it is, but 
it's just, let's just say it's a delicious thing from heaven that Jesus wants you to eat. And so it's this apple butter, and uh, it's hard to find good apple butter out here in California. So I thought, I'll just buy this giant uh, jar of it and bring it back with me since I can't find it anywhere. So I've got this giant bag that I'm bringing back, and as I'm getting ready to get onto the airplane and get through security, they notice that I've got it. And I was thinking, hey, I'm smart enough that I can bring this thing through and uh, and get by with it, but they said, nope, that ain't coming, and they made me throw my apple butter in the trash can. And and they were they weren't playing around. They were strict about it. But it's kind of the same way with uh, with getting into God's presence with a lukewarm attitude, man. Hey, it ain't coming in. You've got to leave that at the door. It's a new season. So I'm going to show you something here. Revelation chapter three, verses 15 through 16. You've got to see this. And uh, especially, you know, a lot of people are reading the book of Revelation right now. Well, uh, this is. It's a good time to be to be reading some of this. Revelation 3, we're going to look here at verses 15 through 16, where Jesus had some serious words to say right here uh, to the church at Laodicea. And uh, it's not pleasant. It's not, not a fun thing to look at. But he said this, Revelation 3, verse 15, he said, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I mean, come on, Jesus. That's a, that's that's not uh, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's that's some hardcore stuff right there. I want to see what it, right here in the message Bible. This paraphrase puts it a, a different way, but I think it's even more direct. It says, I know you inside and out. And find little to my liking. You're not hot or you're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. And I mean, that that's the truth of the matter. Imagine, you know, I either like my my coffee. If I go to Starbucks, I either want a hot one or a cold one. But I don't want a lukewarm one. I want one or the other. And, you know, I in reading this. In this text, I've always understood, obviously, why Jesus would prefer me to be hot for him instead of cold. But I've been confused sometimes why he would rather me be cold than lukewarm. It seems like, well, wouldn't you want me to at least have a little bit of interest in you, at least a half-hearted thing, Jesus, than straight up cold? And the answer to this, you know, I found out is, is this. A lukewarm Christian is dangerous. If you're a cold Christian, you, you're not that dangerous to anybody. I mean, you're just everybody, you know, we're not being mean when I say this. Everyone knows that you're kind of a joke, that you're, you're not really, no one takes it seriously. You don't even take your faith seriously. But a lukewarm Christian is dangerous. Why? Because they're just good enough at playing church, just good enough at being a Christian that they can fool a lot of people. I've seen this my whole life. They fool unsaved people around them into thinking that that must be what all Christians are like. One day they're all about it. The next day they're not. One day they're praising God. The next day they're cursing people made in the image of God. And so you give that impression as a lukewarm Christian that, well, that must be what all Christians are like. Just a bunch of hypocrites and just a bunch of this and that. And so that's dangerous. We don't need that. Or sometimes you fool the other believers around you into thinking that you're legit and that you have their back. And then when they need you, you're not there because, you know, you're just not feeling it that day. That's being lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, you got to have the feels. you got to be in the mood that day to serve God. Well, listen, that's dangerous to live your life that way. And, and another thing, lukewarm Christians, they even fool themselves. They fool the unsaved world. They fool other Christians sometimes. And then they even fool themselves. They think that, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving God his props. I'm giving my nod to God. And so I'm in good enough shape spiritually. But when a real disaster strikes, they find out that, no, they, they collapse like, like, like a cheap house of cards. They, 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 they fold, they collapse because they weren't ready. They were playing games with God instead of being serious. And God, Jesus says, listen, 
rather than that happen, I'd rather you just be flat out cold and, and, and you know you're not ready. But the best answer is to be hot, to be on fire for Jesus, like so many of you guys are. And so I want to take just a quick glance here at what a stable Christian looks like. I love this. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. I love this. Love it, love it, love it. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Man, a tree planted along the riverbank is about the best example of stability that I can think of. You know, that's what I want to be, man. A, a tree that my roots go down into the water source, the source of life, and it's feeding me all the time. I mean, that that is exactly what God intends for us to be like. Now, uh you know, a lot of people maybe watching right now are from other states that I've seen. I've had people from other countries, had some friends from Nicaragua tune in Wednesday night, so that's neat. But a lot of you guys, you may not have an appreciation for trees like some of us desert people do. Uh, we know and appreciate a good tree when we see it because we realize that we don't just have them everywhere where we live. But... Driving down by the Mojave River in Victorville, you know, there's a, an area here on the Interstate 15 that you see all these lush, beautiful green trees. And it's because they're, they're, they're planted and they're stationed right down there by the river. And there may be a hundred miles of, of dirt around them, but these trees, they're healthy. They're stable. They're rock solid. They look great. Why is that? Because they are planted by the river. And so in the most of the year, they've got these green, beautiful leaves. In the fall time, they turn a beautiful yellow and, and red and, and just these beautiful orange colors. I love driving past it because we don't get to see that a lot here. But the beauty of it is, is they're so healthy. And that tells me in a dry environment like this world is, a healthy individual really sticks out. A stable individual really sticks out because we are surrounded by instability. And so I'm encouraging you, man, let, let, let's take this opportunity. Sometimes we don't change until we're forced to change. And I've seen a lot of people run into God right now. That's that's good. That's that's great. It should be that way. But listen, this time as we're running to God because of a bad situation, let's stick close to him and, and not be lukewarm anymore. Let's let's take advantage and harness this moment to stay on fire for God and be a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. Not a tree that occasionally, you know, gets a little hosed off a little bit, but a real tree with deep roots. And I promise you, that's what God wants to do for you in this season. Now, the third thing that you can't bring in, and before I say this, you're going to think it's a joke, and it's not a joke, okay? You know, a, a few weeks ago, um, on the last Sunday night service we were able to have live here with people in the building, uh, you know, I, I talked about this, and I kind of said it as a joke then, but as I thought about it more, I realized, like, man, I was, no, I was serious, I meant this. And, uh, and it, it's the absolute truth. And so the third thing that you can't bring into the presence of God is big butts. And you're like, what, that's silly. No, that's the absolute truth. Because there's a lot of Christians that sound like Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> they like big butts. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Anytime that you tell them the promises of God, they say something stupid like, oh, I know the Bible says that, but let's deal with reality right here. Man, don't. Or, or, or uh, well, that's all well and good. I know it talks about that, but the doctor said this. Or, well, I know God supplies all of our needs, but I was watching CNN this week, and they said the economy's headed for recession. Listen, that is that is no way for a child of God to be talking. All right, you need to get that big butt and get it out of the presence of God, because that kind of talk's going to kill you. That is not good for you. 
And so we looked at this story a couple of Sunday nights ago that I just I can't get away from right now. So we're going to look at this uh, today for point number three. And it's the story of the 12 spies in Numbers chapter 13. And so Numbers 13 verses 27 through 28, as we're flipping there, uh, a lot of you know this story. Maybe some of you don't. Maybe some of you forgot about it. But what we have here is Moses has got the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They've made it to the border of the promised land. And as they're getting there, Moses says, "Okay, we're going to send we're going to go spy out the land. We're going to go send in uh, 12 spies to go see what the people of the land are like, what the crops are like, what what the you know, what it is that we need to do to get in and conquer the land. And so he sends a guy from each of the 12 tribes. And as you know, uh, 10 guys say really bad things. Two guys say really good things. Now, sadly, it's kind of like it is in our society where. People believe the ten guys instead of the two. And so uh, Numbers 13, starting at verse 27, uh, this is the report of the ten spies that come back in. Uh, it says, this was their report to Moses when they get back. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces, but... I can hear the music now, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so that sounds like so many people that we know today. Oh, yeah, I know. Hey, God's promises. They're great. God's promises are true. God's promises are yes and amen. But the economy right now, but. This is an epidemic, but she said this, he said this, and they keep throwing that butt in there. Stop that. Just trust the promises of God. And so here's what happens when uh, those guys are done talking. Caleb tries to come in and fix the whole situation. It's too late at this point in time, but uh, verse 30 Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. And then they go into this whole big spiel about they thought we were grasshoppers and we thought we were and and the whole world's falling apart and it's everything we dreamed of, but it's never going to happen for us. And as you read the rest of that story, they get into chapter 14. You can see that God starts to get really ticked off at them. And, you know, God is rich in love and he is slow to anger. Amen. But he can eventually reach that place of anger. And he tolerated their whining and complaining for a while. He tolerated their negativity and their haterade and, and all the things that they kept trying to, 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 to dump out there. But it eventually got to him. Because ultimately it's a slap in his face when he's done hundreds of good things for you. He's come through for you hundreds of times. And yet again, you still won't believe him. To get you through this one. Imagine if, man, you fed your kids every day. They're 10 years old. You fed them dinner every day for 10 years. And yet every night they keep coming back to you. I just don't know if you're going to do it this time. I just, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know if you got it in you. I don't know. After a while, I'm going to be like, you're doubting my goodness. You're doubting that I would provide for you I, when, when I've done it every single time. And God's telling these guys, you saw me do 10 plagues on Egypt. You saw me part the Red Sea. You've seen me do all this stuff. And that's not good enough for you to believe me yet. And for us right now, yeah, we're facing some stuff. But come on, man. God's never abandoned us. He's always brought us through. This isn't the time for us to say, I, I don't know this time, man. I know I know you handled this and that, but this is a, this is the coronavirus. This is, a, you know, the stock market's doing this. This is going on. Listen, don't say, I know, God, you did it before, but just say, God, you did it before. You're going to do it again. Hallelujah. 
And so uh, God does get mad at these guys here. He was pushed to that limit. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to hit the reset button. Forget these guys. Moses, me and you, we're just going to go start all over again. Moses pleads. He says, no, don't do it. Have mercy. I'll, I'll, I'll get a hold of them. I'll, I'll take care of this. So he gets God to halt on destroying them. But uh, God does. He, they are punished for it. And here's what happens. Uh, chapter 14, verse 20. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my what? What have they seen? My glorious presence. They've been in the shelter before, guys. And the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness, but again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. Wow, powerful words right there. So the question, is it a sin to get startled or be a little bit afraid? No, that's not a sin to be a, to be a, have, a fear come knocking at your door or to, to get startled or whatever. But it is a sin when we begin to let fear control our lives. Why? Because we're elevating the word of something or someone else above the word of God. God's saying, no, I'll supply all your needs. And you're saying, no, but 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 it says this. The, the, the CNN told me this. Fox News said this. Or God said, I will protect you. Abide in me and no plague will come to your dwelling. I know your word says that, God, but I saw this and I saw so many people have this now. And and what we're doing, eventually it reaches the point where we're elevating someone else's word above God's word. And that's that's insulting to God. He doesn't want that. And so as we kind of close out today, what I'm getting at is this. We need to be. In the secret place of the Most High, that fortress, that fort that he has established for us. And I want everybody to be in there. But there's no way we're coming in there with 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 anger and and and, and just meanness, not walking in love. God is love. He's not going to tolerate that in his presence. There's no way that we're coming in there with the complacent halfway attitude we've maybe lived with for a long time and saying, you know, God, I, I, I want the blessings. I just don't want to seek the blesser. No, no lukewarmness, it, it, hot or not. And then the third thing is we're not going to go in there with the big butt thing, the, the doubt, the fear and saying, God, I know you said this, but I just don't believe you. He's not going to have that in there. So I'm encouraging us today as we close out to let's take God serious. This is the time to quit playing games and just jump all the way in. Let this be the season that we say, you know what, God, I'm committed. I'm in. You can count on me. And so I want to close us out today in a prayer. And maybe if you're watching and you've never received Jesus into your life and or maybe you did, but you walked away. We know he didn't leave you, but sometimes some people, they leave him. And we're not here to condemn you or judge you on that. We're here to say, come on, get back in the fort with us. Get back in here. We want you back. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say this, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died, that he rose again, that he's coming back someday. Jesus. Forgive me for any wrong I've done. I promise to live for you in Jesus name. Amen. Now, I'm serious. If you said that and you weren't just blowing smoke, but you meant that today's the good day for you, man. I want you to reach out. Tell us about it. I'm a very big believer in making a public uh, declaration of your faith. I don't think that faith is some private thing that you're ashamed of, embarrassed of. You need to let somebody know. And we will do everything we can to disciple you and get you on the right track. And let's, let's just make this that day for you, okay? And anybody else, man, church family, if you need prayer, you can get some things going on the thread right there on Facebook right now. And, and, uh, and, and just, we'll pray for each other, okay? It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Or if you got something uh, that you need prayer for privately, hey, let us know. 
message us, but we're there for each other. We're making it through this. We're going to go ahead as uh, we kind of wind the service down, though, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Jesse Garcia for our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Uh, so join him for that, and we're just going to have a great time. Amen. Love you guys. Uh, thank you, Pastor Dave. Uh, who knows what time it is? It's happy time. That's right. This is the best opportunity we have to put forth our faith into what's going on here nowadays. There's a lot of scriptures you can look at in regards to tithes and offerings, uh, but this is a great opportunity right now, more than ever, to put our faith into use, into action. Even though we might not be able to congregate together and, and hug on each other and love on each other and give handshakes and, and fist bumps and knuckles and stuff, but it's our opportunity to still show God that we will take the sacrifice serious. It's not something that you should take lightly. This isn't the time to relax and be on vacation and, and think that, oh, I'm going to be here at home. No, no, this is the time to press in. This is the time to continue your promises, to continue to show God that you will honor Him. Uh, so let's take a look at a, uh, at, a, at a scripture here in Malachi 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 10. I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation, and it reads this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Everything that's going on right now with all the people panicking and being scared of having food on their shelves, this is now the time more than ever to think about how great God's promises are to continue to supply our needs with having food on the table. And if you do... Say the Lord, say the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Just think about that right there. He will pour out a blessing so much that we will not have any room to take it in. That right there is so great and we serve an awesome God and, and He's the most merciful and loving God, even, even though this is maybe a time of struggle for some people because a lot of people are out of work or they're not for sure on what where the next meal is going to come in. But no doubt, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But that's not all. That's not the end of the verse. This is the best part of the verse right here. It reads this. It says, try it. Put me to the test. There's a lot of people that think about that part and they're like, man... God's telling me, put me to the test. And he's not, he's not meaning, you know, try, tithe this, this week. Tithe for two weeks. No, tithe consistently. And it's not only about that, it's about offering. Tithe is something that's already owed to Jesus. It's something that's already His. He blesses us with income. He blesses us with finances. So it's our job to give Him what's already owed to Him. But then there's offerings. Offerings is a little bit different. Offerings is what brings blessings upon your house. Yeah, we know the windows are heaven are open. He rebukes the devourer to our tithe. But offering is really stepping out in faith. Offerings is going above and beyond your tithes. Going above and beyond what's asked of you. So I encourage everybody today to step out in faith. Through the times we're in right now, there's so many different methods that you could give. You could give online. You could give through mail. You could come in directly after Sunday service and they'll have somebody outside to pray with you, to for, the, for you to uh, present your tithe to the storehouse. They'll pray for you. We'll hold hands together and we'll just declare that the promises that you're setting forth are true, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that in such times like this, we could all still come together because we live in a we live in a real privileged time. Think about it back then when church if church were to ever close down, people will have nothing to do. They, will, they there's no social media. They didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't have YouTube or anything like that. We live in a, such a spoiled times that we need to take advantage of it. Take advantage of every opportunity you have. Continue to serve Jesus. Continue to present your time. Continue to present your offering. And we thank you for that. And I encourage everybody to just stay positive. Um, know the Lord will always continue to serve his promises. And we have to understand that it's not going to be in our timing. It's going to be in God's timing. And that's the most important timing.
when we bring the Lord's side and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, states and inheritances, interest in income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalty received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs, but I have more than enough to take care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen! All right, everybody, we're going to close the service out with our Barstow Faith Confession. I want to remind you, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and hit that subscribe button on YouTube. And you may think, well, that's not a big deal. But no, I, I want I want you to get as involved as possible right now and share it, man. Share the word. Share the, share the messages with somebody. We've got a great opportunity to do some big things for God. What the devil meant for harm right now, he thought he was going to slow us down and shut us up. But no, it's only given us a louder voice. And with your help, you can be a big part of it. Amen. So let's say the faith confession together because we believe this for our city. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. We'll see you really soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.